Welcome to the Becoming Mum podcast. I'm your host, first-time mum-to-be, Nicole Joy, author, teacher, and wellness advocate. And I'm here to support first-time mums, mums-to-be, and mums who want to be throughout their conception, pregnancy, birthing, and parenting journeys. I'm here to remind you that the path we end up taking may not quite match up to how we thought it would look, and that's perfectly okay. Each week, there will be honest and vulnerable chats about anything from supporting yourself through fertility treatments and morning sickness to hypnobirthing and sleep habits. This is your podcast to help support you through one of the most incredible and challenging stages of your life. Thank you for being here. I truly hope it makes a difference. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Becoming Mum. I've wanted to start a podcast for... A long time. I, I can't remember how long, but I really didn't know what my focus was going to be. And I didn't know how I was going to stand out in a, a quite a popular field, let's say, with so many amazing podcasts out there. That was until I became pregnant with our first child. And I've started this as a way to support other women on their journey through trying to conceive their pregnancies, births and into their parenting journeys. In the past 12 months, I've really opened up to my community about the struggles that we went through as a couple to fall pregnant. And I've only recently announced that we are pregnant. So at the time of recording this, we are 15 weeks and the outpouring of love and overwhelmingly beautiful messages have brought me to tears several times. And it's been really exciting to hear from other ladies who have gone through similar struggles to me and hear that they're now pregnant as well. A lot of these women have also told me, though, that they feel quite alone in their journey because they don't have any friends around them that knew what it was like to go through fertility treatment. They don't have any other friends around them that are pregnant. And so many of them mentioned that they really loved following and sharing in my journey and to be in it together with me in, in a sense. So. If you don't feel like you have anyone to share your journey with or you feel alone and you feel like nobody understands what you're going through, I'm so glad you're here because this is why I'm here. I'm here for you. And if you're a woman who is trying to get pregnant, this episode in particular is for you because I will go through what it has been like for the past five years in trying to fall pregnant because I felt very isolated and didn't feel like anyone knew what I was going through. To paint you a little picture about us, uh, hubby and I both kind of assumed that we would have kids one day, but we weren't 100% sold on the idea either. You know, neither of us grew up, uh, me especially, thinking, you know, we can't wait to have children, can't wait to start a family. And I guess both of us being teachers and having to deal with other people's kids all day had something to do with that. So even after we got married in 2012, I was 30 at the time, I still wasn't keen right away. Uh, At the time we were living, and to be honest, we still do. We live a great lifestyle. We go on holidays frequently. We we do things spontaneously. We go out to dinner where we want to. And we weren't really keen on giving all of that up. Plus, as I mentioned, I was 30, so I thought I had plenty of time. We had a big trip planned to Europe about a year after we got married. And on that trip, I think we both thought, you know, all right, when we get back, let's just give this whole baby making thing a go. Everyone else is having babies. You know, how hard can it be? So it was about October 2013. We started trying. And just so I don't spend the next hour sharing way too much information, it's safe to say that 
all the things were tried charting tracking positions legs up the wall fertility foods you know all the things and this went on for almost a year and obviously nothing happened and so in 2000 in 2014 we thought okay it might be time to seek a little bit of help and for the next two years or so after that we then tried all the other holistic and natural remedies you know vitamins and supplements we were taking like 20 or something a day boiling up chinese herbs stinking out the kitchen really changing our diets um acupuncture which i which i love and still do i was swapping my more uh, hardcore exercise for gentle yoga and meditation we did all the things and during this process my mentality of oh well you know i guess we'll have kids one day started to turn into i want kids now and i got desperate and of course at the time every single person it seemed like around us was falling pregnant easily so sort of yeah 2015-16 was really hard my best friends and i mean all of them were falling pregnant and you know my brother fell pregnant well his wife did and the hardest thing that still still sticks with me now was not being able to properly celebrate with them like i'd wanted to you know i always thought when my best friends um particularly my brother and his wife when they tell me that they're starting a family like i was going to 100% share in that joy with them and although i was obviously i was happy for them but it's a it's a catch 22 because you are reminded of your own journey and how hard it is for you and then you also feel really guilty for feeling that way so i had this oh my god what kind of sister am i what kind of friend am i that i can't be 100% happy for them and of course well i'd like to think that you know if it was a phone conversation or in front of them they didn't know too much you know i i i i smiled and jumped up and jumped up and down and and did all the things because you know there was a part of me that was really happy for them but it was really hard because they'd either leave or I'd get off the phone and I would just break down call my husband and go guess what guess who's pregnant this week and yeah it was it was really really hard so if you're going through that now please know that you're not alone and I know a thousand percent what you're going through and I wish I could take it away I wish I could make it better for you um but never give up hope is is one thing that I'd like to say there so at some point in 2016 I started to become really bitter although no one would know because I was pretty good at hiding how I was feeling I started to dislike people that were falling pregnant and not not my friends but strangers um and this this is going to sound a bit judgy but you know I'm all about being honest and vulnerable and real but people that I was like you should not be falling pregnant like you can't even take care of yourself you know people that I would see with one two three four children not looking after any of them I would see drug addicts getting pregnant I would see alcoholics getting pregnant I remember seeing a lady here on the Gold Coast clearly off her brain whether drugs or alcohol doesn't really matter 
um, looked about six months pregnant. She ran out onto the highway in an attempt to have an argument with oncoming traffic. And I, that was the day that I almost lost it in public because to be honest, I wanted to punch her. I was so fucking angry that this human was being gifted the miracle of being pregnant. And here she was running out playing chicken with the traffic. It just, it infuriated me and made my blood boil. And of course, you know, where attention goes, energy flows, because I was in such a bitter and angry state, I just kept attracting all of, or seeing all of those people that I thought um, it wasn't fair for them to be pregnant. And I, I also remember around that time hearing something on the radio uh, about babies born in refugee camps. And I was on uh, in the car on the way home from somewhere. And I remember just again, infuriating my blood was boiling. And I, I don't know who exactly I was talking to, but I was like, why the fuck does she get to get pregnant? You're letting these babies born in the, be born into these horrific conditions. Yet here I am over here and I can't get pregnant. Are you kidding me? Like I was so so angry and this 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 happened a lot in that time i was angry i was bitter and i was angry i was also fielding both hubby and i were fielding the questions of when are you two going to start a family jeez you guys are taking a while why haven't you had kids yet <sighs> i had a default answer for that which was smile and say, oh, we're too busy for kids. Besides, we've got Nobby and he keeps us so happy. For those of you that don't know, Nobby is our, well, he's nearly six now, Australian bulldog. And we actually got Nobby the year that we started trying. And <laughs> that little ball of fluff, well, he's not little, he's 30 kilos. <laughs> but my little fur baby has been there after every appointment. He's been there licking up my tears. He has been there for me the entire time. So when people turn around and say, you don't know real love until you have a family, it makes me so angry. I understand that not everyone's a dog person, right? And I understand that not everyone treats their dog as part of the family like we do. But that along with why haven't you started a family yet and when are you two going to start a family is best intentions or not. I don't care. It is rude and ignorant and you need to check yourself if you're asking people that or if you're saying that to people because one, you don't know what's going on in that, that couple's life and you don't know what that, that pet means to them. And two, just assuming that someone is going to have kids just because they have a vagina is incredibly rude. Not everybody will have children. Not everybody wants children. And that, uh, look, I don't mind the, uh, do you have kids? You know, that, that's, that, that can be a yes or no answer. And yeah, that could, that can, uh, fuel all of the thoughts and the feelings as well. However, it's, it's not as, it's not as, um, presumptuous as when are you having kids? So, I realize that people listening to this probably would never ask this question because they're in that situation or they understand about it. But if you are just a little heads up, not to ask or not to say those things to people who don't have children. So as I said, I was angry. I was bitter. I stopped taking care of myself. 
there was there was like a good six months or so where I didn't really exercise. I mean, I'd get up in the morning and it'd be like, meh, what's the point? I started drinking too much alcohol. Um, not you know, like not first thing in the morning or during the day, but each each night, you know, for no good reason, I'd, I'd have a few glasses of wine, and sometimes that would be a bottle of wine. And I tell you what, as as we went through, and it seemed like every second person and every second week, someone would tell us that they were pregnant. It came quite um, a habit for me to stop through the liquor store and and grab a bottle of wine and uh, finish it. And I. I stopped going to baby showers. I stopped following anyone on Instagram that was pregnant. And throughout this period of treating myself like crap, I repeatedly told myself the lie that I don't want kids anyway. And I believed that. And one night I actually had accepted that. I said, okay, we're not having kids. And I got my journal, I got my pen and I sat on the couch I lit some candles and I had decided that I was going to write a letter to the child that I was never going to have. And I started to write and I said, dear baby, I am sorry. And at that instant, I got this getting emotional. I got this really crystal clear vision of my hubby at the beach walking, like they're walking away from me with a little one in tow. And that just absolutely just pierced my heart and I lost it. I, again, (laughs) it feels like I'm always talking about the time that I lost it, but there were so many breakdowns and it was then that I went, oh my God, I do want a baby. And it was such a, it was a relief, but it was a heartache because I'd still thought, I I thought there was no chance that we could have one. And it had just dawned on me that I really, really wanted one. So that was, oh, that was, that was big. And it was at that time that I actually reached out to the counselor that I was working with. And she said to me, perhaps you're going through depression and you might need some medication. And I am so, so grateful that she said that to me in that moment because it was the wake-up call that I needed. And I wasn't too keen on taking medication. Every journey's different. Every person's different. But for me, I was like, "Uh uh-uh, no, you need to do a few things here. And I started doing all the things that I knew that I should be doing. That was the wake up call for me to get my butt out of bed and start looking after myself. I started exercising again. I cut out the alcohol. I was meal planning. I started back with my beloved acupuncturist, Jess. Um, Many of you know that I see Jess quite regularly here on the Gold Coast. And I want you to know too. So all of that stuff that was happening, all of the anger, all of the, the resentment, all of the treating my body like crap. Nobody knew it because I wasn't sharing it. None of this was on social media, which goes to show that those pretty pictures are not what they are always cracked up to be. Every single person has a story. 
It's just whether they choose to share it or not. Now, you know, a few months into this taking care of myself business, we went on holidays uh, to Hawaii. So it was the end of 2017. And I remember I was drinking a cup of Tulsa tea on the North Shore and we were both doing, we had this awesome little ritual in this house that we, we rented across the road from the beach. He would have his coffee and read his book. I would make my tea and read my book. And my book was Dying to Be Me by Anita Morjani. And that book is an absolute game changer and was an absolute game changer for me because up until that point, it was, you know, brought to our attention that they, they couldn't really explain why things were the way they were, which, you know, happens quite a lot in fertility. And the only way forward for us was IVF. And I had a really hard time accepting that because initially my thoughts were, are you kidding me? Me, Nicole Joy, Inspire. I do my wellness. I do my oils. I've got healthy cookbooks. I can't do IVF. You know, I bang on about all the natural, um, the benefits of a natural lifestyle. And here I am having to pump my body full of poison to have a baby. Like, I don't think so. And I just want to take a minute there just to talk about that stigma that is attached to IVF, particularly for women that are, you know, seen to be natural or in the natural holistic profession that, you know, having to do IVF is kind of like you failed or you cheated. Um, I'm sorry, but pumping yourself (laughs) full of injections twice a day and paying thousands of dollars to do so isn't the easy option. But I, I received comments and I know friends of mine who've been through similar situations received comments from people saying, oh, I didn't have to use fertility treatment. I just ate right and took these supplements. Or um, the doctors told me that I couldn't have children, but I went and saw this lady and had her magic herbs and I fell pregnant as if the same herbs are going to work for everyone. Fertility is so intricate and complicated and no two couples journeys are the same. So if somebody takes some herbs, it's not necessarily going to work for somebody else. These comments come with the best intentions, but it's tainted with that. Well, I didn't have to do IVF. So what's wrong with you? And I really felt that and I needed to work on that to be able to come to terms with the fact and own the fact that I was going to do IVF. And Anita's book was the perspective shifter that I needed because she talks about how it doesn't matter how many superfoods you put into your body, how much yoga and meditation you do, if your thoughts and your emotions and what you say to yourself and those around you, or in most cases, what you don't say, so what you suppress, that will ultimately have the greatest influence on your health. What you truly believe and feel determines it all. And so I had this outdated notion about IVF. It's going to send me crazy as I pump all that poison into my body and it's going to ruin my body. That's what stopped me from going down the IVF track until I read this book because Anita had, I think she was like fourth stage cancer, riddled with tumors the size of lemons from the base of her neck to the base of her spine. And she had a near-death experience. And upon her coming back, she realized that all of the time when she was practicing yoga meditation and going to all the health retreats and eating all the healthy foods, she was doing it out of fear. And I hope I'm not (laughs) killing the message of this book. I'm trying to 
condense it for you. But it doesn't matter about all of those things if you if you if you've got fear going into your body, if you've got guilt going into your body, you know, it's very different to exercise and eat a green smoothie or drink a green smoothie rather because you want to nourish your body and you love your body and you want to do what's best for it as opposed to I better exercise and I better drink this green smoothie because otherwise I'll get fat and otherwise I'll get diseases and otherwise I'll get sick. You know, it's, it's, they're two really different places. And there's a part in the book after she comes back from a near death experience and she looks at the um, drip that was going into her with as part of the chemotherapy and it had a skull you know poison and everything on it and she said you know before that near-death experience she would have looked at that and gone oh my god that's going into my body and all this fear um, would surround that and and cause even more um, damage in her body but she kind of looked at it and was like oh yeah you know it is what it is and it was when I read that I just went oh my gosh that that's what IVF is they're just, it is what it is. It's, it doesn't have to ruin my body. It doesn't have to send me crazy. And I thought it was really interesting when my IVF doctor said to me that studies have shown that egg donors who receive the same amount and the types of medication as someone who's actually trying to get pregnant do not experience any of these crazy emotional outbursts because they aren't attached to the outcome, which is desperately wanting to fall pregnant it's that that sends us all kinds of loopy not the drugs so when I heard that and I read Anita's book and I thought I need to change my mindset here it's not I have to do IVF it's I get to do IVF how blessed how lucky are we that we live in a society where that is available to us so that was my number one thing was changing my mindset around it. I also didn't refer to my injections or drugs as anything other than my baby making lollies. In fact, I used to make it a part of my ritual in the morning with my stretching and yoga and meditation or whatever else I, I want to do in the morning. And I know I'd sit down with hubby and um, I'd, I'd put the put the needles in and 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 I would I'd almost talk to the baby that wasn't there going, all right, well, this is going to get us happening. And this is going to, this is going to be what we need to make a baby. And, you know, after you do the first injection, it's like a walk in the park. And a, a nurse told me a little, a little tip for those of you that are doing the injections, wiggle your toes before you put the needle in. And it kind of shifts the focus from the area where you're going to do the injection to your toes. And it's just a little thing, wiggling your toes before it would really help me. And I never referred to them as drugs. I never referred to them as as medicine. It was my baby making lollies. And out of the, the it was almost two weeks, I think it was 12 days that I was doing injections. I I didn't go, I didn't have any anything that I thought that I would. I had a pretty pretty big headache on day one, but that was about it. And I really supported myself as, as naturally as I could. You know, I used my essential oils. I went to acupuncture. I obviously meditated. I did yoga. I went for walks. So I still supported myself as naturally as I could. Then one of the biggest things I did and had to work on a lot. So this definitely didn't just happen was changing my story really surrendering and allowing my path to un unfold as it was meant to be. 
I believe that I was really stuck in a bit of a pity party. I had grown quite attached to the, well, we can't have children and you should feel sorry for our story. It was all I'd known for the past four years and slowly without knowing, I think I'd, I'd let that define me. So I want to say to women out there that may be struggling or have struggled, you're not defined by your ability to bear children. You are no less of a person because you need help to fall pregnant. You're not broken. You don't need fixing. And that's what really helped me. It's like, we're not broken. We we don't need fixing. We just can't fall naturally and we need help. End of story. It's it's our minds that create the, the stories of guilt and blame and shame around all of the facts. And I had to work really hard on letting that go. Again, leaning into my oils and my natural therapies and seeing healers and energy workers. I I stored a lot of that. And I remember one day it was it was kind of like the the releasing of that or the final installment of releasing that because it took quite a while. Uh I I can't remember exactly what what um set me off but I was on the kitchen floor bawling my eyes out like just sobbing uncontrollably and I looked up again not sure who I was talking to and said what did I do? And it was as if this voice came out of nowhere in my head, outside of my head, wherever I can't remember. I just know that it was a, you didn't do anything. It is what it is. And in that moment, my tears dried up. I stopped crying and I felt like a huge ton weight was lifted off my shoulders. And I took this, I remember taking this big breath and I went, I didn't do anything. And all of a sudden I became elated. I was dancing around the kitchen going, oh my God. I remember Nobby was with me and I was like, Nobby, I didn't do anything. We haven't done anything wrong. It just is what it is. And it was this massive revelation to me because unknowingly I had just harbored all of that. Well, we've obviously done something. There's guilt and shame around it. And I tell you what, that was unbelievable. And I then... From that moment on, it was really embracing the fact that this is our journey. This is what we are doing. And that is why I started sharing with my community. There was, you know, too long of pretending everything was okay. And I really wanted to share, share with you all what was really going on and make it okay to have these conversations so that people feel less alone. I really hope hearing my story has helped you in some way and if you know somebody that it may help I would love for you to share this episode with them and if you're feeling so inclined leaving a review on iTunes because the more people that we can reach the more people who will feel as though they're not alone and who will feel connected to a whole tribe of women who know exactly what they're going through. Let me know over on my Instagram account at Nicole Joy Inspire what your biggest takeaway was from this episode. And you can find all of the show notes from this episode over at NicoleJoyInspire.com forward slash podcast and simply click on episode one. I look forward to sharing more with you next week.